Today's guest has a list of accomplishments that's a mile long. Samantha Edis is a mom of three, a Harvard undergrad and MBA graduate, best-selling author of The Pie Life, a guilt-free recipe for success and satisfaction, and more recently, the founder and CEO of Park Place Payments. In her spare time, she also co-hosts a podcast called What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. And if you haven't listened to their podcast, then after you finish this episode, go on over there and subscribe. They bring on incredibly accomplished women to learn all about their behind-the-scenes story. Some of their guests include Melinda Gates, Sally Krawcheck, Marsha Cross, and Glendon Doyle and Abby Wambash, just to name a few. Samantha's also the guru and expert on how to thrive professionally and personally. And I was super excited to dive into what it looks like behind the scenes and how the pie life has shifted for her throughout 2020. Her new venture, Park Place Payments, is a woman-founded and run fintech company that's on a mission to change the way financial services are sold to independent businesses. They are on a mission to disrupt the payment and credit card processing industry by bringing it the trust, pricing clarity, and white glove customer service every business deserves. And to do this, they start with an honest analysis of your business and your current solution, and you are given the power to decide if it makes sense to switch. The result is a higher customer retention and satisfaction rate in the industry. To request a free payment checkup, go to parkplacepayments.com and tell them you heard all about it from the Mommies on a Call podcast. Now on to the episode. Welcome to Mommies on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, Mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. So welcome. I'm so excited today to bring on Samantha Edis to the show because seriously, you are the guru and expert on how to thrive professionally and personally, which is exactly what this podcast is all about. You are a mom of three, a best-selling author, and the CEO of Park Place Payments. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. So welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So the first question I'd like to ask is what was your biggest mom win of the week? And it could be mom related, business related, just a win for you as a mom. Oh, I love this question. It's such a good question. And it's such a hard one at the same time, because I, I have to think of what that is. I think one of the, the things I realized I was doing wrong, so I can give an example of, and it kind of, I think ended up being something I did right, which is that my daughter is very, my middle daughter, Ruby is very, she likes to have a project all the time. And so she wants to start this business. She's, she's 13. She wants to start a business where she makes, make your own decorating kits for Christmas for the holidays. So she would sell them on Etsy, et cetera. And all I could think is like, I already run my own business. Like I don't have time to be shipping her kits everywhere. And like, I just thought of it so selfishly because of time, but actually more like self-preservation. And then it suddenly occurred to me that 
that is the time I'd be spending with her. Like it's not, it's not work time, it's Ruby time. And so, you know, the time that I would spend helping her with this project is the time that we'd be spending together anyway. And so it was just changing the prism of how I thought of it. And so I guess that's a slight, a slight mom win. It's a, it's a fail and then a win because it was like, took two days for me to process it and then come back to her yesterday and be like, I am really excited for your cookie business and let's work on it. That's exciting. When is she launching it? Oh, please don't pressure me, Stephanie. (laughs) I just told her that there was a green light yesterday. So so, so we'll iron out the details shortly. Next time I'm on, I'll tell you about the huge success in my past. Ruby is a baker. And so she has her own Instagram account with her Ruby Bakes Instagram account. And she does TikTok videos of her baking. And she's a self-taught, excellent baker, like legit excellent baker. Like if we're going somewhere, she's the one who bakes everything. She bakes these gorgeous things that she posts on Instagram and no one can believe she's only 13. So she's, she has all the skills, but she also has like a super ambitious entrepreneur's mind. Which is kind of cool to have a role model. I mean, you and your husband, both entrepreneurs. And so do you think she got a little bit of that and, and is modeling it, which is kind of a a mom win in itself. Yes, definitely. She she's super into launching businesses over the summer or actually during COVID, like when COVID first started, she launched a cake business. And so every Sunday we would, I gave her a limit that she could do four cakes a week and she would have people, she'd do cupcakes or cakes and she has like beautiful packaging. I mean, it's insane. And so she would have people coming every single Sunday at 11 a.m. to pick up their cupcakes and cakes. And so she, then once school started, she couldn't do that anymore. Now this is her new, new thing. Right. Well, speaking of school, how many kids do you have? Kind of what is their current situation? And what are the roles in your household right now? You know, with your husband, with you, childcare, school, give some context on kind of what your life looks like right now. I have a 14 year old who just started ninth grade remotely, which is like hard to imagine us like starting high school, you know, from home. (laughs) But that's how it is these days. And then I have a seventh grader. So Ella is in ninth grade and Ruby's in seventh grade. And then Bowen, who's my youngest, he is in fifth grade. And he's kind of the lucky one because he has partial school. So he gets to go to school like a couple of hours a day. But because we live in Los Angeles, we're super lucky. And he basically goes to beach school. So it's kind of like camp. They have like surfing and swimming on the beach for a couple of hours. And they have soccer a couple of hours other two days. So he he's very lucky because he has like hybrid school. So he does Zoom school and then he does that. And then my girls are fully remote school. And my husband and I are definitely 50-50 partners in every way. However, I would say that the positioning of where my office is, which is basically in a in a part of our bedroom, upstairs where the kids are versus his downstairs in the basement totally changes the dynamic where I am kind of the pulse of the emotions and what's going on with the kids all day long. And he's very removed from it because he's in the basement. Right. And who is managing all of the distance learning? How are you doing that at home while running a company and managing this? Well, I would say that the one I, I feel so badly for kids, for people who have kids, your kids ages, like I can't even imagine what that would be like if that was remote. And I would say that because I've always been a working mom, I have very independent kids. 
And so they are not at all needy during the day. I mean, for the most part, unless it's like today, one of my kids asked if I could help them for a half hour during the day to study for a history test, which is my pleasure to do. But that that's that's very different than having a child who's five and doesn't understand why you you know you can't play with them all day long. That's very different. So my son who's 10, he's in fifth grade. And I mean, we're on like a mom's chat where like it sounds like a lot of the moms are kind of with their kid all day, kind of like next to them or something. We've the opposite. Like it is, I, I just, he gets on in the morning. I don't even oversee that. And he gets off when it's over. And it's very rare that he comes to me with a problem in the middle of the day. That's incredible. Cause right now I saw like, there was that article on how we're becoming the new like zoom helicopter parents where, you know, the parents are like in the room chiming in and I keep hearing, you know, complaints from teachers, like get the parents out of the room. Yeah. And I've always, I've always hated that. Like, I don't, I don't help with homework. I don't, you know, unless it's a very extreme situation we've always been that way. I mean, I grew up not having any help with homework, so I don't understand why suddenly my kids would need me to teach them math. Like I feel like their math teacher is much better at that than I am. So I don't oversee the homework. I've heard parents say, you know, I have to check their homework and make sure it's right. And like, why? Like that's the teacher's job. And I feel like the teacher then doesn't know what your kid is good at and and weak at. And so I, I don't get involved in the learning. I feel like that's, that's what they do at school. And, you know, the only learning I contribute to is at the dinner table when we talk about politics or whatever it is we talk about. But I feel like that's my job. I was actually going to ask, being older kids who understand kind of what's going on right now, have you talked a lot about politics in your household? So a few years ago, I co-founded a group called the Los Angeles Women's Collective, which is committed to getting women elected to national office. And so very early on, I started bringing my oldest daughter to the events. So she has met like nine senators now, only women. She doesn't even know that men can be senators, I joke. <laughs> but that's, not, that's not really true. She met Mark Kelly, so she met her first male senator now. But but she is really passionate about politics. And now my other kids are also very aware and very involved in talking about politics. So I would say that all three of them had a little bit of a role in this presidential election. Both of my daughters, Ella, my oldest, organized something at her school where it was someone who would come in and train the kids on how to do text banking. So she and and her younger sister have texted over 25,000 people to vote in the election. And that has been really exciting for them. And a lot of them, they actually correspond with, and then they did a little bit of phone banking too, which was really fun. And then my son was randomly asked to be in a Lincoln Project commercial about getting, it was a really, really amazingly written commercial, but basically my son was a little boy and then there was a mom in it. And the mom was waking her son the night of the election. He said, who won? And she said, Trump won. And he said, but I thought you could only be president two times. And that's like the whole commercial. Yeah. Has that aired yet? Yeah, it is. It's on YouTube. Yeah. It's called Good Night America. It's on YouTube. It's a really chilling commercial. It's really good. I feel like one day they'll tell their kids they were all involved in some way in this election. That's incredible. So I want to go to the book that you wrote, The Pie Life. And, you know, you talk about these seven slices of a pie and all about balance. But I feel like since that book was written, you know, a few years ago, the paradigm has kind of changed, especially during a pandemic. How are you personally being able to focus on these seven slices of the, of the pie? Have things changed? How do you allocate for each of these roles right now? 
You're the first person to ask me that question, and it's such a, a great one. I think that things have changed, right? So it used to be the seven slices for people who are not familiar are your family, your career, your health, your friends, your community, your hobbies. And I think that the one thing that's kind of missing now, right, is the time with friends because of COVID. So we take COVID really seriously. So I rarely see anyone really except on Zoom or on, you know, or talking on the phone. Um, Very occasionally I'll go for a long distance walk with a friend, but it's very rare for me to, to see people because we've been pretty protective about COVID and we've been kind of potted with my brother's family. So we see them a lot, but so that's definitely shifted in that there's not really a big friend slice anymore at all. And I think that it's kind Kind of right now, I always say it's so important to have a hobby. I mean, hobbies have shifted, right? Like my my hobby might be my glass of wine at night and like doing the crossword puzzle. So <laughs> that's enough for me. I mean, I think that the the. I've always been a big routine person and that's helped during COVID because I still have stuck with my routine. So it's like, I call them my beverage bookends. I have my Starbucks in the morning and my glass of wine at night. And I, those beverages are very important to me. <laughs> I love that. The beverage bookend. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that life has become a lot less colorful, right? For all of us. And so, you know, you and I were talking before this started about what it's like to have a baby during the pandemic. It seems like a complete fantasy to have a child, a baby during the pandemic because the whole world is on parental leave with you, right? It's like, there's no fear of missing out. Like there's nothing to miss out on. I was going to say, that's exactly what I keep telling people because when I have a newborn, I get FOMO. I'm like, oh, they're going places, but I can't really newborn. And now I'm like, oops, sorry, COVID can't go out. And so right? I like finally- every- Dreams of having a newborn at home. It seems like the best way to spend COVID. How fun. You know, you have built in entertainment. Although you have the, you know, waking up in the middle of the night too that I don't feel envious of. But and still smelling like breast milk and doing right. all that. But all those, and two older those. kids that are still we're, right. we're still in what you call the maintenance years, is what you called them. So exactly. Yes. I call until age five is the maintenance years. You are in the thick of the maintenance years, but luckily your husband's not commuting and, yes. and things are different. And so, you know, for me, I also used to commute. So our headquarters quarters for Park Place is in Woodland Hills, California. And that's 45 minutes from my home. So I would commute an hour and a half at least every day. And that's gone. So that's been a huge new thing. However, I was I was working with a group of women a couple of weeks ago who are all over the country. And we did this Zoom call talking about what's going on and how they could manage their lives better. And we were talking about the fact that one of them had a boss who would constantly say like, well, you have all this extra time every day because you don't commute. And she's like, extra time. I have my kids at home all day long. And I think that's what's really tricky. Like the pie life really doesn't necessarily apply right now because it, it does in some ways, but you would have to totally tweak it because the pie life is all about setting boundaries and making sure you live in all these slices. And right now the slices are all in a blender and it's really messy and it's completely confusing it's like a pumpkin and pie smoothie. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> one minute you're talking to your kid about their test and the next second you're talking to your boss or your colleague or your client. And, and, you know, I'm raising money right now from my bedroom. Like who would have ever thought, like I am sitting here, I raised, you know, a round of capital from my bedroom. I would be much better at it if I could be like on a plane or in in person meeting with people and hustling because that's what I'm used to doing. And it's been really hard for me to adjust my mentality to working from home and getting a lot of stuff done at home. I would say on the plus side, it's really helped me realize that we can work remotely and be successful. 
And it's taken a lot of trust, even in my employees and trusting that just because you're not next to them all day doesn't mean they're not getting the job done. And having the flexibility to go drop their kid off or at, at, a, at a you know tennis lesson or whatever it is that they need to do, or they have that flexibility now. And I think that's been really great. And I think that that, will, that legacy will continue well after the pandemic is over. Well, after the pandemic is over or in a pre-COVID world, I know you have three kids, different activities. You had to commute to Woodland Hills. How are you managing all of that? Did you outsource it? Kind of what did the back end look like? So right now we've we've shifted our situation. We have no childcare because I have a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 10-year-old. You know, the only childcare help we need right now is driving. Because, you know, like now my daughter's starting basketball practice next week and her school is 45 minutes from her house. Like there's a few things that are going to be tricky, but I really would love it if we never had to have childcare anymore. Maybe that's unrealistic given the driving situation. I'm living in this COVID bubble where no one really goes anywhere. But now that the after school activities are transitioning, it's definitely going to be tricky having no childcare. What we do have, however, is a housekeeper. We made the decision that it was worth spending our budget, our childcare budget on housekeeping instead. And that's kept me sane because in the beginning of COVID, we were doing all the laundry and all the dishes for 105 meals a week. You know, that's how many meals I calculated we have in our house every week. You know, it used to be that we'd have breakfast at home and then everyone eats lunch at school or or at the office and then dinner sometimes out, sometimes home. Now it's like 105 meals a week at home. And it's really a lot of dishes and a lot of stuff. So the housekeeper situation has kept me somewhat sane running a company full-time and having three kids at home full-time. So that's been a blessing. And the fact that we can afford to do that, obviously we work hard to be able to afford that, but it's definitely been worth it. The other thing I forgot to mention about the pie is that one thing that's helped is that I now go for a hike every day, which I never used to have time to do. So that's one thing I've added to my schedule that has been very big in the health slice, just mentally having that every day. Speaking of the health slice, is there anything that um, you were talking about how you bookended your days and you have your routines. Do you still have like a morning routine that you do? Like what does the first 30 minutes of your day look like? Yeah. I mean, I think it looks a lot different now. My son goes to the beach two days a week. So like this morning I had to drop him off at the beach at 8 a.m. with his wetsuit and a bag packed. And, and I think the one thing for some reason that still trips me up is ha- taking his temperature and putting it on this video and sending it into this app every morning. Like for some reason that is like, that's like the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back for me. That is the one step that overwhelms me. I can't explain why it just overwhelms me. I'm always worried that the temperature thing's not going to work. And this morning it wasn't working. It was on Celsius and not Fahrenheit. And like that completely throws me off. And I don't know why. And so that is like the one thing that, that it's like, you know, every morning is a little different now. And my daughter is, it's funny because my middle, I was, I was a human alarm clock for the beginning of COVID. And then my middle child who's super organized, Ruby is like, I can't take this anymore. Like you keep forgetting to wake me at the exact right time. Like she'd be like, I want to wake up at eight, 10. And the problem is that their Zoom schedule changes every single day. It used to be dropping them at the bus stop at 7 a.m. And now sometimes they wake up at 9, 10 because they have no class in the beginning. And they both have a totally different schedule. So I was going nuts being a human alarm clock. And now my middle child has an alarm clock that I bought for her. My older one still likes me to wake her. And I keep thinking, well, she's only in, you know, has four more years left before college. So I should just wake her. So every day, though, like right before this podcast, she asked me if I would wake her at 9, 10. 
And I said, well, I can't because I'm doing a podcast interview. So I woke her at 845, which she wasn't very happy about. But I was like, it's the last second I could wake her, you know, before getting on here. And I'm so nervous about not waking her every morning. So there is no morning routine to answer your question. And it drives me bananas. <laughs> but do you wake up before your kids? What's the average oh, time yeah. you wake up? I wake up at like 630 okay. in the morning. Do you have like you time? Do you? Yeah. Oh my okay. God. Yeah. So yeah. I have like 630 in the morning, I wake up, I work, uh, I do some work. And then I go in the shower like a half hour later once I'm caught up on emails. But then I have like a lot of reading to do and catch up on like social media and make sure I'm like up to date on what's going on in the world. And then I usually am like sitting at my desk by eight. So that's kind of my morning routine. This morning is really thrown off because my husband was getting the Starbucks and it hasn't arrived yet. <gasps> Don't know where it is. <laughs> He's with You're the doing dog. this without coffee? <laughs> without coffee. This is how I am uncaffeinated. Imagine when I'm like caffeinated. <laughs> But we have a dog now. That's the uh, the other thing that changed since COVID. I always said we I could not handle one more living thing in my home. And I broke down and we rescued a dog and it's very challenging. So my husband is in charge of the dog. And so he walks him every single morning and he he's out with the dog right now before getting Starbucks. So when I wake up, he wakes up, he goes to the dog run and like for like two hours, I don't know what they do at the dog run, but that's not my thing. And I like to pet the dog and I like it when he sleeps in my room when I'm working, but that's pretty much it. I feel like I'm the same. Yesterday, my husband goes, do you think it's time maybe we got a pet? And I literally looked at him. I mean, I'm holding a nine month old going, if we have one more living, breathing object in this house, I might lose it. So no, I don't care if it's a fish. I don't care if it's a worm. We are not getting a pet. Exactly. That's what I kept saying because my daughter was asking for some hairless guinea pig that her friend had. And I was like, oh yeah, I that's a new thing apparently. Anything. Yeah. I was like, no, I can't handle one more thing. And I think what it is, it's like, for me, I also have like an empathy, something's wrong with my empathy. Like it's overgrown my empathy genes. So I literally worry about the dog now. Like Everyone, like my husband's like, why are you worried? I'm like, I think he's unhappy. I think he needs this. And he'll be like, he's a dog. You're ruining the joy of a dog. Like, just let him be. I'm like, I feel like he needs more water. He's third. I don't know. I'm constantly worrying about the dog. So it's just another thing I'm worrying about now. Oh, oh, wow. So besides worrying, I know you talk a lot about combating like mom guilt and stuff. So have things shifted as you went from younger kids to older kids and from, you know, non-COVID to COVID times? Like, has anything changed on the mom guilt category? And especially since for the last year, you've been building this new company. Yeah, I think that for a long time, I would, I'm, I'm really a huge advocate of women dropping the guilt. It's something that men tend not to have. And it's such a wasted emotion. And it really serves a negative purpose. It ruins your health and your perspective and your ability to be a great parent or a, a great spouse or friend or colleague. And so I think that the best thing to combat guilt is to be present wherever you are. And when you are giving 100% to work when you're at work and giving 100% to your kids when you're at home, it's hard to feel guilty because you know that you're doing your best and no one's winning when you're at work thinking about home or you're, you know, now, of course, now that we're in this blender, it's a little bit different, but ironically, like my guilt is different now. It's like, I, I mean, I'm around all the time. Right. And so it's like, it's more of like looking back and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm around all the time. And like, I don't know that. And my, I feel, I think because my kids are 10, 14 and 13, I'm very concerned about the passage of time. So I'm constantly like, oh my God, how are they already this old? Like, that's more of how I, I more like, it's more future sadness than guilt. I don't have guilt. I more have like, I wish I could just bottle them and knowing that they're going to fly out of here 
relatively soon is a little bit heartbreaking for me. So I would say I don't have guilt. In fact, my brother invited us away for the weekend with him to celebrate his birthday and my my sister-in-law's birthday a few weeks ago. And I was we we agreed to go to, you know, a winery for three nights, which was like I first of all I never leave my house. So it was like a very big deal to me. I went from being someone who's on the road all the time to like literally never leaving. And so I I really had before that not even like gone out to dinner in Los Angeles since COVID. So I was like the thing is, the day we were leaving, I was a crazy wreck about leaving my kids. And like, I was leaving them with our old babysitter who they love. And they were so excited to be with her. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, are you guys going to be okay? And I'm like, just leave. Like, we need space from you, you know? And I was the one who was like that psycho mom who couldn't leave her kids behind. Like, and I was so worried about them the whole time. And they were fine and they had a great time. And it was all me. And what's funny is I see, it kind of made me realize how if you're not in a pattern of having independence from your kids, of going on a business trip once in a while, or going out to dinner without your kids, whatever, it's very easy to fall back into that clinginess. And it's then hard to decipher, is it your kid's clinginess or is it yours? And I think most of the times it's the mom's creating that clinginess and neediness. And the less you have your own career or your your own life, the more you put that burden on your children because they become your meaning. And that's a very dangerous position to put them in because eventually, I mean, a kid's job is to, you know, if you're doing a great job as a parent, your kid will fly far away, right? That's like the ultimate sign that you've done a good job is that they're able to be out in the world on their own. But it's antithetical to our feelings as parents because we want them to need us, right? And and the, the weirdest part about parenting is as they age, they need you less and less and you're more and more attached to your kids. And so it's this very, very difficult, sad part of life is like watching this bird fly away from you and allowing it to do that. And, you know, I once interviewed this amazing icon in the women's movement and, I, I, and her name is escaping me right this second, but she shared with me something that was always stuck with me is like, the reason it's so important not to make momming your job is because eventually you're going to be fired from that job and it's going to be the most painful firing of your life and you'll have nothing left to do and there's no other job you can go get. And I think that's really true. And so that's why I'm always urging women to have something outside of their children, not just for you know financial protection, but also for just fulfillment. When your kids go to college, you're going to want to have something of your own that's not about waiting for their call. Exactly. Which kind of is a good transition into your new company. But I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned that during these maintenance years, you know, you should always keep your foot in the door. And I know your company's trying to help women do this. Talk a little bit about your inspiration behind starting Park Place Payments. And then also the advice you give to these women, like, how do you keep your foot in the door? And even now, like, I feel like it's almost harder to keep your foot in the door if now you're like the distance learning mother of a six-year-old or something like that. So kind of paint a little picture of how this all came about and then any advice you can give on that. So when I was on my book tour, I, I spoke at tons of companies from Google to Twitter to you know General Mills. I also talked to a, little, a lot of women's conferences and the one group of women I was always unable to help were those that had left the workforce and wanted to return, but found that there were no opportunities for them. And at the same time, I was meeting a lot of women who felt capped financially in their current careers and needed to make more money. 
And years ago, I'd been at a conference for the credit card processing industry, which is an industry most people don't know much about, but basically any business from a doctor's office to a yoga studio to a restaurant that accepts credit cards has this middleman between American Express, MasterCard, and Visa and the business. And today the middleman is 40,000 white men who are a lot like used car salesmen. And I noticed so many women who were selling makeup and skincare and jewelry to their friends and not even making martini money. They're actually losing money. 98% of them are losing money. They're not even breaking even. And I thought, what if I could train that group of women who clearly have drive and former professional skills to basically sell credit card processing to their local businesses, their pediatrician, their dentist, their hair salon. And so that was the genesis of Park Place Payments. And that is why Park Place exists. We now have over 300 women who are selling credit card processing to their local businesses and they're doing great. And so I guess why payment processing? It's, you know, you mentioned it's not the sexiest of, you know, industries. How did you come about this business? Like, why did you pick that? And like the beauty businesses or the different types of kind of MLM or direct to consumer type of products. What made you choose payment processing? Yeah. Well, first of all, I wanted to save women from the MLMs because we are not an MLM. Like MLMs make it so that at the end, someone is always holding the bag. And I don't want that person to be holding the bag anymore. And so I just, I really felt like it was almost doing women a disservice to be like, sure, you can have a career and you can be in sales again, but you have to sell like a women's product. You have to sell makeup or jewelry or essential oils and, or nail products. I'm like, why can't these women sell financial services product? These are smart women. These are capable women. They can sell something that's more heady and will look better on a resume if they want to go back to the corporate world. So when you are an account executive with Park Place Payments, like that's a pretty interesting job. That's going to get looked at on a resume and be taken seriously rather than being a consultant for, you know, a makeup company that's kind of like an Avon lady. That's not going to be taken as seriously. And so for us, it was really important to me to have a job title for these women that they that made them feel good about themselves and also that made them respected in the industry. And I felt like credit card processing is this very simple product to sell and it's all recurring revenue. And that's the best thing about it. So if someone sells a hair salon and they make $80 a month on that hair salon, that's recurring. They're going to have that business probably for 10 years. And so over those 10 years, think about how that much they're making on that one business. And so each of our account executives, once they become successful, they basically build a portfolio of their own clients and they essentially become their own entrepreneurs. And I was at this conference, as I mentioned, 10 years ago, all these guys had shown up on private planes. One was less impressive than the next. And I was like, who are these people? And where are the women and people of color? And they kind of laughed at me and they were like, oh, there are none. And then when I dug into it, I was like, I'm going to come back and crush these guys. Like, there is no way I'm letting this stand. And so we are doing it. Like we are, you know, we've created this company. It's, it's, it's funny because I decided to raise money for it. And everyone who knows anything about this industry is like, do not raise money for it. It's a cash cow business. It's like a guarantee. You can't fail, like just fund it yourself and do it. But I'm, I really wanted to build it at the, at the pace of a rocket ship, not a cruise ship. And I couldn't do that unless I got outside capital. And so that's why I raised our first round last year. I raised an angel round from a million dollars from half women and people of color. And this this round, I'm also committed to the same exact thing, which is more than half women and people of color in our seed round. So it's really been great. 
Do you think that you could have built this company, say, 10 years ago when you had younger kids? Or what? I guess, why now? You went to this conference, you said about 10 years ago, you had this idea. Why, I guess, now? And why not even like five years ago? I guess I feel like it has been, it's a, it's a, it's a really great point. I, I think those maintenance years are so hard. Those years when your kids are zero to five years old are so hard. And until my youngest was five, I was in the maintenance years. In the maintenance years, your job is to keep up your career and keep your foot in the door. I don't think that's the time to necessarily go three levels up. And I feel like this is a situation where I couldn't have done it then and been the kind of parent I wanted to be. So people used to be like, oh, you travel a lot. And I would say, I travel probably like four days a month, five days a month, which is nothing, right? And I had so much flexibility the rest of the month that it just wasn't a big deal. So yeah, I might've been away for four four nights in a row, but then I was able to do drop off and pick up the rest of the month. So to me, I had the best possible schedule as a corporate speaker and author. You know, that was like a dream job as a mom. And I know that not everyone can have that kind of job, but now I am like full-time, not nine to five, more like eight to every, to every hour, you know, cause, but at the same time, I'm able to have dinner with my kids every night and to be the present parent. I want to be obviously COVID helps that, right? Because I'm super present. <laughs> Which almost actually <laughs> makes me think that like in the future, the mom guilt actually gets or like, you make it almost worse because now your kids are so used to you being home. I'm actually curious. That's like, what's going to happen once the dads, the moms, everyone goes back to work. And the kids are like, but we're used to you playing with us in the morning. Are you, we're used to you doing all this. I'm actually wondering how that's going to shift. Yeah. I think corporate America will, will shift as well. Like, like I think all of those people who didn't spend any time with their kids are going to realize it's really important to spend time with your kids. And so, you know what, be home in the morning and tell your boss, you're not coming until nine and the world won't fall apart. And that's okay. You know, or make sure you still drop off your kid every day. Like, I think that those things are really important and they were always important in my home. And I was pretty crazy about setting those boundaries, even with my husband early on. So when he had started a company from our kitchen table, when my first daughter was born and that company ended up growing and, and going public and becoming a huge company. And in the very beginning, he started coming home after she went to bed. And I was like, no, 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 I didn't sign up for that. Like, that is not how we were going to raise our kids. If you need to be, you have to be home by five thirty or six every single day. And then if you need to go back on calls at nine, that's fine. I don't need the alone time with you. I'd rather you be with our daughter. And so he did that. And he started leaving the office every day by 530. And he would then go back on calls at 830 at night and that's until 11. And that's how we ran our life. And he would do those calls from home. But in the beginning, and like six months into this new schedule, he got a call from one of his investors. And the investor called him back to his, it was actually, he lived on Park Avenue in New York city, the investor. And he called him and said, I want you to come over at eight 30 tonight. And he was like, okay. So he shows up and the investor said to him, I've been told that you've been leaving the office before six o'clock every night. And he said, yes, I have been. And he said, we like to invest in entrepreneurs who are at the, who have basically a cot at the office, not entrepreneurs who leave the office at six o'clock. And he said, well, I'll be the first entrepreneur to prove you wrong. And my husband's company ended up being that guy's biggest exit of his career with this 5.30 departure everywhere. And I love that. It sets boundaries too, just like what you were saying. For his employees, like they could see, oh my gosh, being a dad is important to him. And I think so often, especially, I think women 
are a big part of why some of these men stay at the office that late because they don't say, you know what? No, it's not okay with me. Like I didn't, I didn't sign up for a life like that. That's not the life I want to lead. And I can't do anything. I, I can't reach any of my own goals if I have a life like that. Now, you had asked something about Park Place and how the Park Place account executives manage yeah. their lives. I think one of the great things about being a Park Place account executive is there is no quota, right? So if you want to kill it this week because your kids are on spring break and you're home and it's COVID and you have tons of time and then you want to take next week off, you can. So it's 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 the most flexible career you could have. But for someone who's really ambitious, like you can see your results every week, right? And, or every day. And when you win an account, there's like nothing better than feeling that. And what we've done is we took out all the heavy lifting on the back end. So most of this industry, what they do is they will have a guy walk into a dry cleaner and he's like, oh, I can save you this amount of money. And he's doing tr- chicken scratch on a piece of paper and it's probably BS. And then what ha- is happening is, hang on one second. I'm so sorry. See, my husband's dropping Starbucks off. I'm in the middle of a podcast interview. You look like a superhero right now. Thank you, honey. The best is the podcast is called Mommy's on a Call, but usually it's kids running in and you're like, hold on, Mommy's on a Call. That's oh my God. It really looks like a superhero because it's poached eggs and Starbucks. So thank you so much. So anyway, so one of the things that's so important is that is that these account executives are in charge of their own schedules and they're in charge of their own lives. And we'll get like a bunch of them are super ambitious. And so even though they're from home, they're working, they're putting in some of them six hours a day, 10 hours a day to make this happen. And you can see the results really fast. And because it's all recurring revenue, the first month you might make $200. And then the second month, you're suddenly going to make $300. And then it keeps building and building and it's all recurring revenue. So last summer, one of our account executives who had been very successful with us had a personal tragedy in her family and she couldn't work for two months. And she said, I have to tell you the fact that I was able to get this four figure paycheck every month without working has been like a lifesaver for my family. That's incredible. Are a lot of the people who are account executives moms? I would say 90% moms. Nice. Yes. There's a lot of moms and we, we are, we're perfect job for a mom because you can still be working and earning money. And I think it's so important for women to protect themselves financially. I think with the statistics, I mean, just show you how critical it is. More than 50% of us will end up in a situation where our husband leaves us or passes away or something horrible that we don't expect. And we're not prepared for that. And beyond that, a lot of women are in bad relationships where they're in it for the wrong reasons and they can't get out or they can't make their own decisions about where to spend money. And they have to ask for permission to go shopping. Like that is so old fashioned, but it still happens today. And so there is something that happens. There's a skip in your step when you're earning your own money and you feel financially independent that just makes you a stronger person. And so if we can help women achieve that, that's awesome. So I would say 95% are women, 90% are moms, 5% are men. Wow, that's incredible. Well, I wanted to wrap up this interview with a couple just last questions that I love to ask, which is what is your mom's superpower that makes you a better mom in business? So a superpower that you gained once you became a mom that has really helped you advance in your career. I think that that I'm an empathetic leader and I'm an empathetic mom. So I think that's something that translates 
to both, I think, really well. And also just, I'm very, I've always been very fast at getting things done. And so that's also something that, that, that is a superpower as a mom and a superpower when you're running a company. And then lastly, what would be your number one survival tip for moms right now or working moms, career moms, entrepreneur moms? What would be your number one survival tip? Don't be perfect at the expense of having something you do that's fun every single day. Like it's better to leave the dirty dishes in the sink and have the margarita and watch your, you know, crappy TV show. You need that every single day because it'll keep you sane and more patient and better at everything you do. And so when you're doing things for yourself, you know, normally I'd be like, leave the dirty dishes in the sink and go out with your friends for the margarita. But now that we're all home, you might have to do that at home and find your your joy at home, which is harder to do sometimes. But it's really important to do something for yourself every day. And I'm not talking about like traditional self-care bath bombs, right? Like you do not need to take the bath and do the yoga to have self-care. I think self-care could be your glass of wine, or it could be reading a book that you love or watching Real Housewives or whatever it is, but you need that time for yourself every day and it'll make you a better parent and, and better at everything. Well, thank you, Sam, so much for joining us today. Where can we find you? So you can find us, you can join our team at parkplacepayments.com. We're adding to our team at a rapid clip. So we would love to have you. And you can also follow my podcast, which is called What's Her Story with Sam and Amy on iHeart. I love that. And I love listening to you at Mom 2.0 record the episode with Marsha Cross live, which is, when is that airing? The Marsha Cross one is coming out, I think not next week, but the week after. So it's like November 17th. We, we have a new episode that drops every Thursday. So today we dropped one with Sally Krawcheck. Next week is a divorce attorney, Laura Wasser, who's like the divorce attorney to the stars. And then we have Marsha. Well, perfect. Yeah. Check out your, I mean, your podcast is awesome. I love listening to it. So thank you so much for joining today. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time. 